Hi there, food enthusiasts. My name is Chris Reschkowski, your host today for the Future Foodcasts, where we talk with the thought leaders in today's food industry and discuss the trends and technologies that are shaping the future of food. Very, very excited to be speaking with Heiko, the owner of Heiko's Hot Sauce and the founder of the online Canadian hot sauce store. Welcome to the program today, Heiko. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, we're going to talk all about why we're having a program on hot sauce in Canada as we uh, get into this show. But before we start doing that, let's maybe give us a little bit of background on yourself um, professionally and what brought you up to jumping into this hot sauce space. Hi, I'm Heiko. I make hot sauce. This is usually my introduction. I am actually from the Netherlands originally. I immigrated to Canada 16, 17 years ago now. My family in the Netherlands is, has got a very diverse uh, ethnical background. They're from Suriname, Indonesia, India, a lot of different countries with a lot of different flavor and spice profiles. And when I came to Canada, I was trying to find hot sauces that would have the same amount of heat, but also flavor. And what I found out is that that was very hard to find. Uh, back in the day, back in the day, I'm selling all right there. Back in the day, they only had the staples. They had French Red Hot and Tabasco. And if you looked really hard, you could find Sriracha, which was just coming up. And that just didn't cut it for me. So I decided, you know what? I like growing peppers anyway. I did it in the Netherlands as well. I decided to grow a couple of peppers in my front yard and in my backyard. And I started experimenting with some hot sauces and handed it out to friends. There's a lot of people in the hot sauce industry that got started the same way as I did. Handed it out to friends. They liked it. And they all said, you should sell this stuff. So kind of sky uh, snowball from there. So I kept on doing it. And I was able to do a Kickstarter program when I decided that I really wanted to take it to the next level and produce uh, the hot sauces commercially. And that was six years ago now that we actually gained the starting capital to go commercial after i did that i just met all these wonderful people in the whole hot sauce world because there's a whole niche hot sauce world the main manufacturers it's kind of like a craft brewery scene if you want hot sauce makers as well it's a great background of course um and in, in bringing like you said this flavor profile of your family history from around the world into North America and Canada, which doesn't often have quite the flavor profile of uh, those spicy ingredients. But you know, the reason I commented on, you know, why are we talking about hot sauce in Canada? It, it seems like an odd connection, but I, I, and you touched a word that I think is important here, which this is really a craft product in the types of companies that we're speaking about today. It is a craft locally produced product which is really important in the food space today. It's really an interest in consumers um, and it brings up all sorts of interesting questions about supply chain, networks of companies, e-commerce, et cetera. So it's really what you've developed both as your own product and as we're gonna learn in the Canadian online Canadian hot sauce store, a network of providers. And it's really a great example of where we see the food sector going in terms of specialization, localization, and entrepreneurs making great products that, you know, 20 years ago, you're stuck in your local community, but now you, we literally have global access to a market and we're going to learn all about that. But before we get into the, the, the network that you're building, you, like you said, you started, you know, making your own hot sauce, growing some peppers. And somebody said, well, maybe you should sell this stuff. And you started Heiko's hot sauce. Tell us a little bit about how that got started um, and, and where that's at right now. 
So basically what happened is, uh, like I said, I've been making hot sauces for quite a while. I've, I've been making hot sauces for more than a decade. When people really got into it, um, I, I just started getting to the point that I was like, maybe I should do something with this commercially. And never really got around to it. And uh, I was lucky enough to fall down the stairs, which made me sit down for six weeks, which gave me a chance to actually uh, research all kinds of things, how I would set up a store online, how I would do a Kickstarter to get my starting capital. So Kickstarter, if you don't know what it is, it is literally uh, pre-selling a product on an online platform, which generates your starting capital. So I did a Kickstarter project. It was successful. We got our starting capital for our bottles, for our uh, labels, for everything. thing that I found out when I was actually doing a lot of research, I got a lot of help from a lot of people in the hot sauce world, the, the craft makers, let's put them that way. Uh, one of the guys that really gave me the most amount of help is uh, Paul Casey from Cooksville, who's actually been making craft hot sauce since 1976, which I did not know until I actually met him in person. Started out here in Ottawa and gave me a lot of leads and gave me a lot of places where I could go and help, get help. I still work with a lot of the people that he actually gave me the information for. So we were successful. Our first batch of 1,200 bottles lasted us about half a year. We've increased our sales now to about 20,000 bottles a year. And we've increased the original lineup from six hot sauces to we've got 15 hot sauces, barbecue sauce, and some side products as well. On top of that, we've expanded our growing business. We still grow the peppers ourselves. Uh, we started out with 10 plants front and backyard. We now have got a half an acre of a field where we grow two to 3,000 plants a year. It's hmm. been an upwards trend and it's it's been a lot of fun. I've met a lot of fun people. Well, you certainly have. And in fact, I think the way we found ourselves to you is through another company, Island Sund, which uh, is part of your platform. Um, the online Canadian hot sauce store. And it's really an interesting, like you said, community of craft producers. So you have your product, which is, you know, as I learned from you, pretty well known in, in across certain parts of North America right now, um, growing up in how long has it been over what, five years? Yeah, we've been in business commercially six years that have been available to the public. And we, we've managed to actually get represented by other stores from coast to coast as well. So it's, it's surprising the amount of coverage that we gained. <laughs> Still surprising yeah. me every now and then when people reach out to me and say, we want to have your hot sauce. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, well, the famous face on a famous product. It's a, a great position to be in. You not only have your product, but as you described, you have this community of craft product makers, craft hot sauce makers, and you've created an entire platform to bring that community together and make it easier for consumers to find the flavors that they want in what is our new storefront, which is e-commerce. Maybe tell us uh, maybe more details about how did you get started with the online Canadian hot sauce store? What was the real impetus for, for doing that? Well, what happened is during the pandemic, I noticed that a lot of the actual stores that are providing hot sauces the world offer them uh, to the world online uh, we're not necessarily representing a lot of smaller craft hot sauce makers that i know very well and we decided that we wanted to do something to help out the community uh, everybody was suffering during the pandemic i mean we're still in it but we see light at the end of the tunnel we're just hoping it's not a train coming our way uh, so <laughs> it is we really noticed that everybody had trouble adapting to the new way of having to do business. Uh, In-person markets were being canceled. We lost about the first year of the pandemic. We, we 150 markets that we normally go to got canceled. So you have to find a different way. 
I was lucky enough that our store with Heiko's Hot Sauce had already done the steps and had an online store from right from the beginning when we got started. Uh, but some of the other guys don't necessarily have the platform or the way to actually offer the product online. And it takes quite a bit of steps. So we decided that we wanted to do something for the community by actually starting up a, and I'm talking about the Canadian hot sauce community from coast to coast, for makers that did not have those means or were not necessarily being represented by the bigger companies that had to make their cuts as well. And uh, we were lucky enough to get a grant from the government for our event planning business that organizes hot sauce expos. We use the money that we get from the grant to actually invest in other companies. We started the online Canadian hot sauce store. It focuses only on Canadian hot sauces. You will not find any hot sauces that are not made in Canada. The advantage for people is that if you want to have Canadian hot sauces and you want to have it from five, six different makers, you do not have to pay the pack or the packaging and the, uh, what do you call it? The shipping costs five, six mm-hmm. different times because we try to combine as many hot sauces that are made in Canada here in our store. We are currently looking at about 30, 35 makers that we have in store. And we ask people if there are other people, other makers that we're missing or that they're missing, to let us know because we're trying to expand it as much as we can. We really want to be the one-stop shop for Canadian hot sauce. Interesting. And in I, I see what's happening in this hot sauce space, although some people might say it's very niche. Um, you know, 20, 30 years ago, people said the same thing about those crazy craft beer makers who are trying to make all these efforts to make beer that is much easier to buy from a large liquor store or something like that. And that obviously has gotten tremendous traction and there's whole secondary industries have started off of the craft beer industry. You're essentially following the same path of building up a network of craft makers, in this case, craft hot sauce makers, but you've taken the step of proactively going out and setting up, if you will, the digital marketplace for that. Whereas you can't, there's been limitations in going to these face-to-face events where it's easy to taste products and and meet the, the makers to making it possible for people to do that online. How are you reaching out to these people to meaning the customers, to bring them into your marketplace. The great thing about it is because we are a very tight-knit community, uh, it is not just us that are doing the advertising for the store. It is actually the makers that have provided us with their product as well. We bought it. I mean, they don't give free, trust me. It's, <laughs> it needs to be a win-win-win situation, right? Um, so, but they help us to get the word uh, out there as well. And the main tool that we're using right now are the two favorite platforms of everybody, Facebook and Instagram. My wife, who is actually more of the brain, I'm just the face of the of the store. She's more of the brain <laughs> of the whole store. She is doing most of the online or the the uh, online presence. So she really focuses on Facebook and on Instagram. Those are the two platforms that really helped us gain a lot of traction for the store. And like I said, the hot sauce makers that we are actually representing in our store, they actually have their own uh, group of friends and group of followers. So when they share that as well, it actually brings more awareness of the whole store to everybody that is in the hot sauce community and is interested in the hot sauce. It's funny you actually indicated the, uh, the craft brewers you can see the same trend that is happening with the brewery world and the hot sauce world. But I just want to point this out. The big guys are feeling the pinch. We are not competing in the craft hot sauce world with each other. We are competing with the big guys. Mm-hmm. The reason why I say you can see they're feeling the pinch 
Frank's Red Hot was available in one flavor. Same with Tabasco. If you go to the store right now, you can get five, six different flavors of both those brands. Right. They're trying to gain back the part of the market that they've actually lost. And they're big enough that they can actually take that loss. We're not too worried about it. And it's good to see that we're slowly eating away at the margins that they are making and actually getting it back into the communities and have the small makers regain a way of making an income. So it's very similar to what has happened in the in, in the in the, the beer world for sure it's there's the parallels are very very nice i like working with brewers as well actually I, i've got a lot of friends of mine that are brewers and we've got some hot sauces that we make with with beer as well and i know the other hot sauce makers do the same thing so a very interesting place to be like i said it is mainly the uh, the facebook and the instagram that we the instagram that we use for our uh, social awareness and bringing the word out to the people excellent well you know we've seen a big factor and trend in the food space overall is local production and people having that interest in products that are produced locally. And certainly your focus on Canadian hot sauces tends to cater to that consumer interest. How do you find that the companies, both your own and others that are on the online hot sauce store, how are they, I guess, demonstrating to consumers that their products made locally, how, you know, there must be ways there's communicating that and encouraging people to buy local. Yes. So if I go for my own hot sauce, I grow my peppers. It is literally farm to table uh, what I do. It's it's uh, We fit in a farmer's market uh, profile. We are actually designated agricultural because we grow our own product. I know that there's other hot sauce makers that grow their own uh, crops as well. Everybody is really focused on sourcing all their ingredients as local as possible as well. Uh, a good example is Sorry Sauce, a friend of ours, Eric Beck, he's in Listowel, and uh, he gets pretty much everything that he can as local as possible. He's getting his paste tomatoes from a local Amish farmer. He's getting a lot of different things from as local as possible. He goes to local markets. That being said, local does not necessarily just mean the region that you live in. So... Mm-hmm. Local for me is actually Canada as well. There's a lot of hot sauce makers in in the United States. And I don't think that we necessarily need to get things from the United States up here in Canada. It's getting harder right now as well because we've got great makers here in Canada. So why not showcase the makers that we have here? Local is Canadian, in my opinion. Everybody that I know that actually does make hot sauce here in Canada, they're very proud about the fact that it's made in Canada. And I can see that it's a good selling feature for people as well. People are more geared towards getting a local product instead of getting it from abroad. Uh, there's, mm-hmm. there's a growing market for it. Well, this also leads to, um, while there's an advantage of local sourcing, um, all of the local, ma- all of the makers, if you will, are trying to source from, if you will, upstream local makers, which we might call farmers, or they're growing at products themselves. How do you see both the struggles and the developments with, I guess, technologies and processes being used by these this diverse range of hot sauce makers to manage their supply chain as they're trying to do this locally? Is this all, do you find that people are mostly still using, you know, calling um, the farmer and ordering product that way? Or are there other technology platforms that people are using? For a lot of the times, it is still the phase old person-to-person contact that will get you a lot of contacts and that works really well. That being said, 
the social media platforms are being used to ask automakers where they get produce from if they need, for example, uh-huh. a certain kind of pepper that is hard to get. It is not uncommon. We go on, on Facebook and questions are being asked about where can I get them. Uh, so it is all about sharing the knowledge as well. Like I said, the majority of the time it is still face-to-face interaction, and especially because it is being done local. The challenge with a lot of the products that we use as well is that they are fresh products. Um, So there's a challenge with getting fresh products as fresh as possible. So that's why you want to be in a closer area close to you so that you know that you get the freshest possible product. Uh, The moment that you actually have to ship things. A good example of that is one of the makers is actually in in, on Vancouver Island and he's got a hard time getting fresh peppers because there are no growers there. So what he's going to do right now is he's actually found a local farmer that is going to be growing a bunch of peppers for him. that he can actually have access to fresh peppers at the end of the year and he can make a sauces at that point or preserve the, mm-hmm. the, the peppers. He can use them as well. I mean, that's a good thing about it. Once they're frozen, they're fine. Uh, so it, it is more of a local person-to-person thing, but we do use mm-hmm. the social um, media to actually pick other people's brain as well because you, you got a hive mind. There's much more knowledge out there than you don't have to reinvent the wheel for everything that you do. Yeah, and this is, I think, one of the great experiences that people in these maker communities, whether it's hot sauces or craft beers, et cetera, find is that it's a more collaborative atmosphere, um, less competitive, more collaborative. Of course, you know, you want to sell a lot of Heiko's hot sauce, but you also want to help your, if you will, partner companies out there to, to do that as well. So it does seem to be a different mindset in the producers, but it also sounds like that this collection of makers is sort of using what it can on an ad hoc basis of how do we how do we communicate how do we get together using Facebook Instagram etc. So it sounds like there's probably some opportunity out there for the the technology makers as well to be providing resources that can help people come together in what is really this decentralized world of makers that is satisfying a globally connected world of consumers. You say global. The fun part is that. Well, fun. I mean, the pandemic isn't fun, but due to the pandemic, we've been able to reach and learn a lot more about craft makers, not just in Canada, but all around the world. Because I've got Hmm. groups in the United Kingdom that I get information from in Europe, in the United States, in South America. So, yeah, the global mindset is there. Again, the challenge is actually the product that we use needs to be fresh. So <laughs> we can still right. talk about all kinds of things that are ideas for hot sauces and so on and so on. And mm-hmm. use each other as a soundboard. When it comes to production, we are stuck with what we have to get locally. <laughs> so this, uh, you know, what has been for humans over centuries and millennia, actually of a, a gathering place in the market is essentially now recreated on digitally online and the online Canadian hot sauce store is one instance of that, which is specially established for the hot sauce makers, but it's a place where people can go and sell their product. And how are your, the companies that are selling their products through that online platform, where do you see them congregating, if you will, to communicate? Are there, you know, are you directing people to Facebook or what are the communication mechanisms for people? So Facebook and Messenger is very big. Um, there are a lot of different hot sauce groups on Facebook as well. There is a Canadian hot sauce and hot pepper lovers. And I always get them. It's, the name is too long. It's not something that I can easily remember. So 
I type in Canadian hot sauce and then I get to the actual uh, page. Yeah. But there's a lot of people that are actually on there. They communicate a lot. There's a girl from Sauce Calgary that does a lot of support for the hot sauce community through Instagram. She has got a podcast through Instagram that goes on every Friday and it takes about an hour and she introduces different hot sauce makers. I've heard of hot sauce makers through her channel do not have any presence on Facebook, but they are very big on Instagram. So it's good to see that there's more awareness being brought out in different platforms as well. So yeah, there's, for me, my main thing is, is myself is Facebook. Like I said, my wife is doing a lot of Instagram as well. Um, and those are the, the platforms we do a lot on messenger as well. I mean, once we get connected with people, there's a lot of back and forth on messenger. We do have the traditional email, traditional email as well. But if we're actually talking about ideas and, and thinking of new ways of, of doing things, it's usually through Facebook. Right. So I mean, thinking of your situation as an entrepreneur with your products, but also being representative of other craft makers out there, you have a lot of channels that you could potentially be working with in terms of social media channels, um, both the, I would say, typical consumer channels as well as the professional ones. Uh, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, all these things. How do you manage all that in terms of selecting where you spend your time and essentially becoming experts in uh, multimedia and in marketing as well? So it is word of mouth and personal experience. So LinkedIn is, in my opinion, and I hope that somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, not the right platform for hot sauce. It is not the right demographic of people that are on LinkedIn. I have been on LinkedIn as well. My background is actually from one of the biggest brewers in, in the world. So in my capacity as a purchasing manager in that industry, I definitely was on LinkedIn. I just noticed that a bit of a difference between the jobs that you do, the product that you put out, and the way that you have to profile yourself dictates where you're going to go. My wife decided that she needed to do Instagram, which I'm very happy with because I'm not necessarily in the Instagram world. For me, it is more about making hot sauce and making yummy things. Um, but she's doing all the, the the social media. Facebook is a very good platform because a lot of people on the demographic of people that you want to reach, so the demographic that you want to reach is actually, in my opinion, more available on Facebook. And like I said, mm -hmm. if there's suggestions out there, I'm open to suggestions because I don't know everything either. I'm just going by yeah. what my experience is. So, And, it, you know, this is why I asked the question, and I actually have this discussion with quite a number of uh, entrepreneurs in the food space who are super passionate about making their product and all that goes into it and communicating with their customers. But when it comes to, you know, utilizing the technologies, it's like, well, I, I do it because I have to, but it's not really what I want to do. I, I want to be making my product and seeing people consume it. Um, so so it, it's always interesting to see how do you sort through that sort of jungle of social media to figure out what, what you want to do? Let, let me tie into that, actually. And this is quite interesting. Again, we go back to the beginning of the pandemic. We got 150 markets canceled. So I was going from going to two, three markets a day, uh, doing in-person interaction to what do I do now? So my whole focus shifted from doing the markets and the in-person interaction and producing the hot sauce to how do I get my product out to the public? Like I said before, we were lucky enough that we actually get started with an online platform to sell our hot sauces right from the beginning. So we didn't have to invest any time or energy into actually converting or making a website where we could put our own uh, products out. It was all ready to go. So what I did is I actually shifted from making hot sauce, talking to people, say 40 hours a week, to sitting behind the computer in the first couple of months and being 
on Facebook and finding out different groups of people that have the same problems, the same challenges, the same situation that we're in. And I got into groups all over the world. Uh, mm-hmm. It exponentially actually increased the knowledge of Heiko's hot sauce all over the world. The pandemic is a bad thing, but it has its advantages as well. It's opened up the world to a lot more new products and a lot different way mm-hmm. of bringing awareness of your product out. So yes, I was in the same category and my hand got forced and I basically needed to make sure that I people find a way to find me on the internet because there's right. thousands and millions and billions of pages. So how do you find this person or how do you find right. that product? Yeah, so that's that special skill. That's a special <clears throat> skill that you have to essentially develop for yourself um, if you don't have somebody on your team that's already a natural at that. But like you said, the pandemic certainly has not been a great thing for the world, but it has also led some interesting changes and developments and obviously pushing people toward e-commerce, which we've been talking about a lot over the last half hour. But we also see that, you know, we're probably not going to stay in this situation forever. What are you experiencing in your area of a return to, if you will, face-to-face interactions, markets coming back again, events coming up. Is there anything that you're looking at in 2022 that's going to see a return to that experience? Yes. Uh, luckily, we do see a return. I mean, we, it's, it's a wave pattern that is happening. As everybody knows, we go good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. Event planning organization that we get the grant through is actually it was started to host Ottawa's first Hot Sauce Expo, which would be a huge thing. It was never had been a Hot Sauce Expo here in Canada or in Ottawa. So it was going to be one-on-one face-to-face interaction with the public and hot sauce makers and a lot of fun. And that got canceled three times. Last year, September the 4th, we were right in between the waves and the restrictions weren't that big. So we actually did the first one of eating up the capital of Hot Sauce It will be back next year, the 27th of August. Um, I can see that a lot of the markets are have come back. First year was a major lockdown. Last year, you saw an increase of markets that were available. There were still a couple of cancellations last minute. Um, a lot of the Christmas markets did not happen because they were mm-hmm. usually held indoors, especially here in Ottawa. Right now, it's minus 30. Uh, so <laughs> um, they were held indoors and indoor gatherings, numbers were limited. There was no, you couldn't justify doing those markets. Those will be coming back. People will be able to go out more. But we noticed during the Christmas markets, we went to the Ottawa farmers market because we are designated agricultural. People are eager to get out and they're happy to support local makers. So Mm -hmm. I suspect we will see an increase of markets and people willing to support the local makers that actually are going to be available at those markets. So what I'm looking for in the new year, just to get back out in yeah. the public. Yeah. So it sounds like that's already happening. And like you said, the, I guess the event that is called heating up the capital in your area of Ottawa is going to happen in September of this year. Uh, it's going to be August, actually, the end of August. August of this year. Yeah, yeah. So I'd kind of like you to look into your crystal ball a little bit and taking a scenario where the world is going to start um, having face-to-face meetings on a regular basis again, but blending in with that, the capabilities we've all learned over the last couple of years with e-commerce, social media as a marketing medium, uh, especially for craft providers, this is going to create a new clash of opportunity where face-to-face is happening, but we all still walk around with our smart little devices in our hand that literally have access to the world. How do you see these growth experiences? What do you see it resulting in, for example, in 2023 for how you 
and your other craft makers are going to be interacting with the public? So it's very interesting because we've been in the pandemic for two years. Um, I can tell you a little bit about trends that are happening. Uh, when we are in complete lockdown, there's going to be an expansional growth in online sales, basically for the reason that people do not want to go out. There will, there have been, has been a decline in the online sales that I've experienced, but they're higher than they were before the pandemic era. So there's going to be a blended version of people getting their products. Uh, people like the convenience of being able to get their things, like you said, on the, the handy devices that they hold in their hand. However, there is a need for social interaction as well. So you will not see, if we take the same pie, it's still going to be as big. It's just going to be slightly differently uh, divided into the do, two different groups. And there's more than two, but like, let's call it the two different groups. So the direct sales and uh, the online sales, I can see that being more at an even level. Where mm -hmm. Before the pandemic, it used to be everything, pretty much everything is in person. Some people do it online. I mean, the whole thing has been an educational process for people at home as well. They were forced to actually use the social platforms and the, the uh, online shopping capability to get the products that they wanted. There was no mm -hmm. way to get it otherwise. So some people will go back to that. thing that I hope is that people realize that you don't have to go to the huge players. And it's the same thing as in the hot sauce world. Right. You don't have to go to an Amazon to get a local product. Actually, you, uh -huh. you're much better off trying to find that person online, their own website, because all the money goes into their own pocket instead of giving it to a third right. party that is doing the distribution for them. And I yeah. see that a lot of people are actually getting that concept. I cannot deny that the convenience of Amazon is there as well. If you need something in a day's notice, yes, that's going to happen. Overall, I I think, like I said, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be a hybrid market of what it used to be. Yeah, and I I, I think the the word you used hybrid there is going to be very interesting as the these online and face to face cultures come back together. And I would almost say I I've seen some glimpses of the future there in certain products where companies are starting to put like a QR code on their product. So as you're walking down the grocery aisle with your smart device, you literally can scan something and learn what's going on with that product and not be dependent on what the store is telling you about it. Well, the fun thing is that QR code made a huge comeback because it was huge like a couple of decades ago and <laughs> disappeared into nowhere. And right now you see it coming back. So. Yeah. Well, it's um, really been useful, I think, for a lot of companies to help point their consumers to, oh, where where is my raw material coming from? How is this local? Who's the farmer that's behind that? It, it becomes an interesting selling point for companies with products that are leveraging craft, local production, et cetera. And, you know, it's frankly, it's relatively cheap to do that. You don't need to partner with a bricks and mortar store to put up printed material. And that takes a whole lot of effort and coordination. So I could imagine that happening more often at an event where you also have a, a if you will, a digital link to the background of the product, along with you speaking to it directly. Yeah, I mean, and it's something that had got started beforehand, but you're right, it's probably gonna be bigger. I mean, I'm, I don't necessarily have used a QR code myself, but my social media is an all my advertising as well, product as well. So, I mean, yes, mm -hmm. it will definitely be, be more available. And but, now I have to think about the QR codes. <laughs> well, it's, it, and exactly, that's, that's the downside of it. You know, you just spent a year learning and upgrading your skills on how to use Facebook and all this digital marketing stuff, there's always the next thing coming along. So that that is definitely a barrier for organizations. But I think we'll, you know, if the organizations that are trying that 
um, sort of new technology now, even though uh, to your point, it's actually rather old technology. It's just put to use in a different way. If they're getting traction with that, if they're building um, and retaining customers, it will lead to others adopting that as well. The same way like your entire organization adopts Facebook as a sort of market and communications place for, for customers. Well, I think it's a really great example of what's going on in the food space, what you have developed both as a product in Heiko's Hot Sauce, an excellent example and a tasty one, um, given that I'm also a hot sauce fiend of um, craft products that are local, developed by entrepreneurs, and then have national and even global audiences because of the technology that is relatively cheap. To, to use these days and combine with the sustainable efforts of local production as well. And then really bringing what you've done, bringing this together in an online hot sauce store, which is a bespoke market for craft hot sauce makers. And people know they can go there and find these products. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it sounds like you were saying earlier that if I want to buy, and I'm just looking at the website now, the Bajan Taiga Island Sun sauce, as well as Heiko's hot sauce, I could place an order and get both in one package? It will, yes, and that's the whole point. I mean, people are very interested in supporting small businesses, but one of the hurdles that they may come across is the actual cost of shipping. So by combining all the different hot sauces in one spot in a one-stop shop, you actually take that additional cost out. If I would have five bottles of hot sauce from five different makers and I don't have a one-stop shop to go to, I'd be paying shipping and all those things. And here everything gets combined. And actually in the online uh, store, if you order $75 or more in Canada, it is free shipping as well. So hmm. you've got pretty much a whole hot sauce store available to you and you can go wild, get your hot sauces. And if you do it right, you can even get free shipping out of it. So that really costs down the, the, the overall cost. But that is indeed the idea. And it'll come all in one package. It is being done from one location, correct? Excellent. Well, also some sustainability gains there in, in terms of, you know, the cost and uh, energy and logistics, everything else. So it's all adding up to great sustainability, great technology and a super tasty products that you're, you're bringing to all of us. And I really appreciate that. Thank you. Well, yeah, thank you very much for being with us today. It's been a great insight to this particular craft space and how technology and sustainability is a part of what's making it all successful for you and all of your partner companies with the Canadian Hot Sauce Store. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Future Foodcast. Future Foodcast is powered by Farm to Plate, the leading food blockchain platform. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with the very latest innovations in the food industry. 